Welcome to the Renee Frazier Show, Why Women. This is a topical talk show hosted by myself, Renee Frazier. And I took this show on because there are not very many women on talk radio. I think it's important that we bring women's voices to talk radio. And I am choosing to focus on the challenges many women face today. So the Renee Frazier Show, Why Women?, will include interviews with leaders across a wide spectrum of professions, and I plan to bring a psychological perspective and insights to the KABC audience on issues that confront women in work and life. I'll be sharing in-depth interviews with some of the biggest names in business and policy, and hopefully giving you practical insights that you can apply in your daily life. Now, why me? Why Renee Frazier? Renee Frazier is a successful entrepreneur that's been an advocate for women and girls for the last 20 years. I'm a trained social psychologist with a PhD from USC, a person who has taught research and insights to young people across the country. And I've spoken with over 5,000 young women in my last 20 years, sharing experiences and insights. And my core focus is helping women lead and succeed. I plan on the radio show to be in service of women, and that means men and women are in my audience. I want to speak to fathers, brothers, associates, all of us who want to see women lead and succeed. And I thought very carefully about that theme, why I put lead first. I think many women feel like they have to be successful before they can lead. And in fact, Take it up on yourself. Be the leader that you can be. I think it's important that you take on an attitude of leadership first and success will follow. We'll be talking about that with many successful women, how they took risks and became successful. I mentioned that my social psychology background will be an important part of these interviews as we learn what influences us and why are we the way we are sociologically, from our brain chemistry, and many other factors. I'm also a lifelong learner bringing research to the table, new findings, new insights, and speaking as an entrepreneur, a mom, and even a grandmother. I've spoken very often about community engagement and the importance of issues facing women as we change policy, and I want to bring those forward as well as we bring important voices of women to the radio airwaves on KABC. Now, speaking of issues facing women, we're going to talk about one today that has gained a lot of traction in the last two years. And one of the reasons it's gained so much traction is because of my guest. The issue is, why are not more women on corporate boards? Why do men represent over 70% of the board seats in the United States? Corporate boards are boards of publicly traded companies. And as you might expect, those boards set agendas, set policy, obviously look at the uh, compensation of the CEOs and are responsible for the fiduciary responsibility of the organization. What do shareholders gain? What impact do they have on the community, on the environment? So those boards play an important role. Many women don't even realize that that's an opportunity for themselves. We're going to be talking today with the expert, Betsy Berkemer-Criddare. 
Betsy is the CEO of 5050 Women on Boards and has an illustrious career as a retained executive search recruiter with a very stellar company, Berkmer Clayton International. Betsy's company has uh, been responsible for placing senior executives and board seats. In addition, she brings a wealth of experience and an advocacy role to 5050 Women on Boards, which has a mission to accelerate leadership of women. And as you can imagine, it's a mission close to my heart. In full disclosure, I sit on the national board to support Betsy and the efforts of 5050 Women on Boards. But I also know this is an issue that's germane to many women and men as we look at creating a more diverse perspective at the board level. There's a tremendous amount of research from Credit, Credit Suisse, McKinsey, and others that demonstrate the fact that when you bring diverse voices, you get more innovation, more fresh thinking, and higher profitability. But I want to turn now to our guest, who's going to give us all the facts. Welcome to the show, the Renee Frazier Show, Betsy Berkmer Crader. Well, Renee, I am so honored to be here. Thank you for inviting me and for uh, shining a spotlight on this very important topic of having more women on corporate boards. This has been a, a passion of mine for 20 years, and uh, I can give the inside perspective. Uh, as you mentioned, I own a retained executive search firm, Berkmer Clayton, uh, but I have been for the last four years the CEO of 5050 Women on Boards. And 5050 Women on Boards is a nonprofit organization. We are global. We have uh, an array of workshops that we do to before, educate. Before we get into all the products and services, because we'll spend an hour talking about that, Betsy, uh, let me give our guests kind of an overview of what we're going to be talking about. We're going to cover... Uh, why board seats are so important, what 50-50 is all about in the beginning. And then we're going to move to what can I as a woman do about this? How do I get prepared? What about those workshops? What do you actually do on a corporate board? So people get a flavor for why is this something for me and what will it take? And then we want to talk about the fact that it's not for everyone. There are other responsibilities that come with it issues that you might want to consider, and it's not a minimal workload. And then we'll talk about the future. Is this changing? Are we making progress on, on, on getting women on boards? And the answer is yes. And why is that progress happening? What are the obstacles and what are the opportunities in the future? So let's go back to the beginning of the overview. I think it's worth talking about the fact that the organization originally was called 2020, and talk about why and how we surpassed the goal that was at the heart of that name. Yes, 2020 Women on Boards was the original name uh, started mm -hmm. in 2010 by two co-founders, Stephanie Sonnenbend and Mally Giro in Boston. 
and they wanted to focus on the research to track the numbers of women on corporate boards and watch the progress over the years with the goal, hence the name, of reaching 20% of the board seats held by women in the Russell 3000 corporations in the US by the year 2020. So they met that goal, we met that goal because uh, we were involved as volunteers as well along those years and met the goal um, in 2020 and therefore changed the name a year ago to 50-50 women on boards. And now the goal is to reach 50% uh, men and women on every corporate board. And the we define that as gender balance and that gender balance is one more or one less than half of the board members. Most boards have 12 to 13 board members. And so having one more, one less than half is certainly uh, a, a significant voice in the boardroom. And so we, how are we doing, Betsy? What are the statistics now? What progress have we made? incredible progress, slow, but steady. So back in 2010 of the Russell 3000, there were only 10% of the board seats held by women. And by 2017, it had crept up to 16%. And then this year, we're really proud to say, thanks to many efforts and the efforts of 50-50 women on boards, uh, the national figure is now 26% of all board seats are held by women. And the California figure, because we have a law here in California, the number has shot up to 30% of all board seats in publicly held companies in California are held by women. And both those numbers are higher than ever in history. Uh, We are leading uh, the country in California, and we'll talk about why. Let me just explain. The Russell 3000 includes the top 3,000 publicly traded companies. I'm sure our listeners have heard about the S&P 500 Those 500 or the S&P 100, they're included in this Russell 3000. Mm -hmm. This is a broader list of companies because there are opportunities and boards in each one of those. We will talk about the statistics at these other levels as well. But I think it's important for people to understand there's been a constant progression, about one, one and a half, two percent change every year. And I think there's going to be an accelerated change in the next three to five years. Before we get into that subject, though, let's take a break. I want to mention that we're talking with Betsy Berkemer Crader, CEO of 5050 Women on Boards. You're on the Renee Frazier show as we talk about why women, and in this case, Why aren't there more women on corporate boards and what can we do? In the next segment, we're going to talk about what you as an individual can do. How do you get on a board? What does it take? When can it happen? Do you get paid for being on a board? Are there downsides to being on a board? And what roles can you play? What are the committees? What job would you have if you were on a board? When does this fit into your career path? All those questions will be answered in the next segment as we talk about the with the expert, Betsy Berkemer Crader, and learn more about how her organization, 5050 Women on Boards, can help you get there and build a pathway for you to get on a corporate board. You're listening to the Renee Frazier Show on 790 KABC.
Welcome back to the Renee Frazier Show. We're talking about how women lead and succeed. Today, we're talking about how women gain power by being on boards, a corporate board. And that can also be a nonprofit board, but our focus has been on paying positions on publicly traded companies on boards. And we have with us today an expert in this field who has been leading an organization for four years. The organization is 50-50 women on boards. The expert and author about this subject is Betsy Berkemer Crider. Welcome back to the show, Betsy. Thank you, Renee. Glad to be here. Let's talk about, as we discuss uh, how women get on boards, we talked about what board engagement involves, what the organization involves. Let's talk about what women can do about this. How do they get on boards? How do women get prepared for board engagement? Well, it is a long path uh, for women as they uh, start their career, build their career, and then start to think about and look at the possibility of someday serving on the corporate board. Now, what is a corporate board? That is the membership organization of, let's say, 10 to 13 members, men and more women, uh, hopefully soon, uh, who are the ultimate boss, if you will, of the CEO of every publicly held or private company. So the board is very powerful. And the board helps to determine the strategy, the vision, and the overall the uh, financial health of the company and guide the CEO, counsel the CEO and management on how to how to advance the company, how to grow the company, and how to stay ahead of the competition, if you will, in this highly competitive world. So, Betsy, when I when I think about corporate boards, I can actually go to a website of a corporation and look at the members of the board, right? I can see what people are serving on the board. And I know in the past, I've looked at annual reports where I can see what are they doing? What's the company doing? And it's kind of a behind the scenes perspective on what the company's vision is for the future, what their risks are. So there are ways to start to understand uh, what a corporate board does, but I know when we talk to women, and we've been doing this for the last 12 years, you and I in Los Angeles, hosting events for women on boards, so many women say to us, I didn't even know it was possible. And why do you think that is? Why do women not know? And how can they get more versed in this? Well, certainly more and more women are knowing now and realizing at the advanced stages of their careers as they become uh, closer to the C-suite or uh, advancing to vice president, senior vice president, or a chief officer level, they become more and more aware of the power of the corporate board. So uh, it's not surprising that a lot of women don't know about it because uh, they haven't been um, educated about what boards do. Now, interestingly enough, uh, men seem to know about corporate boards from early on in their career because of many factors. They already know men are very good at networking among one another to help to uh, advance their mentees or protégés in business and, and keep an eye on who might be good board members. They could be the, even their, their golfing buddies, for example. So boards are generally more of the conversation among businessmen than they are among businesswomen until now. 
So we're really seeing uh, much more conversation and certainly we're educating women about how to advance in their careers and, and getting involved in boards, nonprofit boards, other types of boards along the way. So I heard you say when a woman is vice president, senior vice president, moving to C-suite, meaning chief HR officer, CFO, even probably controller, as they're moving in the through the company, and as women run their own companies, right, particularly if they're successful, what are some of the basic things people should think about? You mentioned getting on a nonprofit board, so you understand board governance, the board culture. What are some of the other fundamental things that are important? And I know you know about this because of your book. You've interviewed many women who have been on board. So please answer my question and also tell us more about your book. Well, the basics include in-depth business knowledge, of course, about how companies run. But uh, women are getting on boards today because of unusual, not unusual, but of uh, unique experience that they would bring perhaps in digital marketing, in uh, cybersecurity, in in, in human resources and diversity and equity and inclusion uh, capabilities and experience from their own careers. Uh, traditionally, which is why men tend to know more about corporate boards, traditionally boards have wanted to bring on other CEOs to advise the CEO of their company. However, that's not the case now because uh, most CEOs can only serve on one outside board and that leaves uh, room for more women to be on boards. And these these areas of expertise that I just mentioned, really uh, women have been able to advance to the upper levels in, in those functional areas and are really sought after for for corporate boards now. So it used to be a closed group, only CEOs and CEOs of large businesses. Now it's broadening out, which is wonderful. But I suspect you have to have good financial understanding since the basic responsibility or a fundamental one is fiduciary. You do have to have some financial acumen. Is that right? Well, yes, but you don't have to. Ideally, if you run a P&L, profit and loss statement, fine, or a division. But if you don't um, and you bring the other areas of expertise I just mentioned, digital marketing and uh, cybersecurity and human resources, compensation experience, that, uh, that can often be what the corporate board is looking for right now. Now, you asked about uh, the book, interestingly enough, in the book, which is called Winning the Board Game. Winning the Board Game. Winning Winning the Board Game. Got it. And it can be found on the website of the same name, winningtheboardgame.com. But uh, what I learned from interviewing uh, 111 women who are featured in the two books, actually, is that they were 85% of them recommended for their first corporate board by someone they knew on their nonprofit boards. So that's a a major, major um, uh, learning that we pass on to all the women in our workshops and the women who are looking to figure out how to make it to corporate boards. They need to be seen, they need to be visible and remembered for their expertise, which they can demonstrate on a nonprofit board or in business. So that's a, a, a key that we can develop further. And it's really important for women to think about nonprofit boards, the large ones where they'll meet people, could be United Way, could be Red Cross, could be 
uh, YMCA, uh, YWCA as well, where you meet men as well as women who are in business, but they are giving their time and their their contributions to that nonprofit. Let me share an example. Monica Lozano, who is on the Apple board and has served on a number of boards. She's on Apple and Bank of America. Monica was one of our speakers at our 50-50 Women on Boards event in Los Angeles held last year. And she's a friend of ours, has been for many years. Monica uh, was uh, one of the uh, leaders of La Opinion and has been very involved in the information business, if you will, what we my content and what we used to call media. But Monica explained that she got chosen for a board as a result of serving on a nonprofit board. And the way she worked, her intelligence, her contributions, her her level of thinking and strategic questioning, all of those things showed another board member that she had the capacity to be on a board. She hadn't even considered it. He pulled her aside, talked to her about it, and that's how she got on her board. I think it's really important for people to know that there are ways you can impress others. And I want to just remind our listeners, you're listening to the Renee Frazier Show on KABC Talk Radio. And I have on my show a wonderful expert in how to get on a board and what is the situation with board engagement for women and men, Betsy Berkemer Crader, CEO of 5050 Women on Boards. Betsy, I was just sharing that example of Monica. Do you want to embellish? I know you've got other stories as well. Well, that's an excellent one. She's also on the board of Target now. So oftentimes for the women in the audience and men, when you get on your first board, which is the most difficult to achieve, then you are invited to serve on other boards because your fellow board members have seen what a great board member you are. Um, And other stories in the book are uh, related to being involved in nonprofits in the arts, where um, several of the women have been involved in the theater um, nonprofit boards or the uh, other related arts and museums in the city, where indeed they still meet uh, men and women who are in business and they help to raise money, they help to manage the finances. Even if you don't have financial experience, you can serve on the finance committee of a nonprofit board and learn and grow. Nonprofit boards are excellent ways to learn and understand the board dynamics, understand how decisions are made on boards, which is generally always consensus. On a corporate board, you it's really not a voting situation where you vote and, and you know, they're like the Supreme Court. It's, well, let's, uh, talk, let's talk more about that in the next yeah. segment. You're listening to the Renee Frazier Show on KBC Talk Radio. I am talking about board engagement for women, and we're going to talk about the fact that what does it take really? It's not for everyone. We'll talk about some of the realities. Uh, for example, when you serve on those large nonprofit boards, there's a give or get. And it's usually in the ten to $25,000 range. So you have to be aware that serving on a nonprofit board takes time and treasure, as we always talk about it. We'll talk more about what does it take. And we're talking with the expert, Betsy Berkemer Crader, CEO of 5050 Women on Boards. Thank you for listening and stay tuned to find out if it's right for you and why board engagement may not be for everyone.
Welcome back to the Renee Frazier Show. We're talking about how do women get on corporate boards and is it right for you? We've got our expert, Betsy Berkemer Crader, to talk about this. She's CEO of an organization, 5050 Women on Boards, 5050womanonboards.com. You can go to the website. It's a great resource for people. So we're talking with Betsy about how to get on a board, what the board engagement includes, and what boards are looking for. We just ended with the story of getting on a nonprofit board as a way to be recognized. And her book, 86% of women who are on corporate boards, and that's over 100 that she's interviewed, had it happen as a result of being noticed for great work on a nonprofit board. So we're going to talk more about what does it take and what are the downsides, why it might not be for everyone. But before we do that, I wanted to share a story of a mutual friend of ours, Diana Ingram. Diana has been in the IT field working for large corporations, including Oracle and IBM. She decided at the stage of her career, uh, she wanted to be on a corporate board. And she practiced a very rigorous process that I'd like to review, and it has a positive ending. Diana happens to be African-American. She served internationally uh, in the IT arena. She has a real strong presence and has been a very active member of several nonprofit boards. When she wanted to get on a board, she made a list of the individuals on the nonprofit board she'd worked with who actually serve on corporate boards. And she went after them in conversation form. She asked to have conversations with them, a coffee with them. She deliberately identified her connections. And as a result of that, she started to put the word out that she wanted to be on a corporate board. She had demonstrated her expertise in these board meetings, nonprofit. So when she asked for those meetings, they were all men, by the way, and typically white men, said, I'd be happy to talk to you. I see a big opportunity for you. And then something interesting happened. So Diana had been doing this. She had an Excel spreadsheet, people she was contacting. She took a very rigorous approach. She also had her LinkedIn profile up that shows, of course, her her work and her experience. And she got contacted through LinkedIn. And as Diana tells it, she thought it was a joke. She didn't know it was real. You know how we all get these LinkedIn requests. But sure enough, there was a follow-up. There was an interview process, a very, very detailed interview process. And now she is serving on Rexford Industries Board, a REIT, very successful organization. And she's brought a lot of insight to the board. She's also been asked to comment on and been very much a fan of the deliberate DE&I work, the diversity work that is organic to Rexford Industries and something I have saluted her on. She's been a speaker in some 50-50 women on board workshops, but her personal experience was kind of a surprise to her, even finding it through LinkedIn. I think we should all remember, though, she put it out in the world. And she had a rigorous process and she had mentally gotten herself prepared to spend the amount of time that was needed and to be on a board. But Betsy, let me turn it back to you. Let's talk about the specific things. We've talked about what companies are looking for, how they broaden some of the responsibilities. But can you talk about maybe the other considerations people should should think through before they join a corporate board? 
Well, you point out something critically important, Renee, about uh, networking. It's, uh, it's you know, an, an overused term, but it, in our sense, it is strategic networking, just like you defined that uh, Diana Ingram did, strategically calling people that she knows or people who are recommended to her to, to follow up with and to express her talents and her experience, her business experience to serve on corporate boards. So that's what we recommend to all women who are working women who uh, believe that their experience is uh, valuable and would bring value to boards. The categories that I mentioned that are really um, where we're seeing more and more women get on boards are those who have digital marketing experience, those who have compensation and human resources experience, and those who have fall under the ESG category, which is very popular these days, that means environment, social, meaning digital and social uh, communications, and governance, governing of uh, organizations, very important. And in our workshops at 5050 Women on Boards, we help women in the early stage of their career, mid-career and late career, um, or later career, uh, understand what their strengths are and their value-added experience, and to help them express the experience that they would bring so that when they're in a reception or a business meeting or let uh, me let me interrupt you for a moment Betsy and mention a couple of things okay these workshops are available on the website they're virtual Mm -hmm. there is a fee for them but they're not huge and these are ways to get your mind wrapped around and I have to say this to get the confidence So many women who have not thought of this as part of their career trajectory, when I speak to them, they'll giggle and laugh and say, well, I don't, I'm not sure. And then once they've been through the workshop, there's this confidence factor that they get. So Mm -hmm. let's talk specifically about those virtual workshops. They include board fundamentals. So for the person who's just learning about boards, uh, she can become aware of what boards are looking for. Uh, The next, this is a whole array of workshops we offer. Chart your path and visibility workshop, um, two of them, personal branding and your digital presence. So that uh, when you are perhaps considered for boards, you will be Uh, seen and understood as to what your background is. And then uh, we do a whole course on strategic networking uh, that we just discussed. And at the senior level, how to take what you've learned and actually get on a board. And we're we're really pleased with the results so much so that we have an alumni event as well and a and and we're creating a hub so that people can network who have been through the courses and get to uh, get to know one another and help one another because oftentimes a woman might get a call for a specific need on a board and she realizes that's not well suited to her experience and her business experience so she'll she will recommend a friend and oftentimes someone she She's met through 50-50 women on boards. I love the practical advice, Betsy. Let me remind our listeners, you're listening to the Renee Frazier Show on KBC Talk Radio. We're talking about how to get on a corporate board, why it could be an important role for you. Betsy, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that when you serve on a board, you get paid for it, but you also take on a liability. Board members do get sued. Quite a few of the folks we know who've been on boards have been through 
legal battles. There are uh, uh, proxy battles and, of course, activists who come to boards with a point of view. Normally, a board member has director and officer's insurance, but some people actually get additional insurance to make sure they're covered, correct? Well, yes, Renee, but it's really not uh, onerous. The corporations have directors and officers insurance, so this is not a liability on the individual board member. And of all the women that I've known and interviewed over the years, no one has ever been personally liable for any um, mistakes that the board has made or any financial liability. So I want to clarify that a little bit. Uh, and when you're on a board, yes, your name is quite public. And when there is a lawsuit against the company, it could be as simple as a trademark lawsuit. The board members' names are often named in the in lawsuit, but the, the board members don't have to show up in court or anything like that. No, and, no, no. Yeah. But you do have to realize that you may be deposed. You might be, I mean, I have a couple of board friends who are board members who've done that. They've had to be deposed as part of an action, particularly with activists. But we don't have to dwell on that. I just don't want people to be surprised. The mm -hmm. other thing that I think we should talk about, I believe the NACD mentioned the fact that it's about 140 hours. You have to review materials, you attend meetings. I think there is a perception out there among some people that I hear from friends. Well, it's an easy way to make $75,000 or $150,000 a year when I'm retiring from my company. And I, I take the word easy out of that. Can you talk a little bit about the workload? Yes, uh, National Association of Corporate Directors, you just mentioned, uh, it does cite that it could be up to 140 hours for um, a, a year for serving on a corporate board, but it could be less. And it's definitely uh, work in that uh, oftentimes the quarterly board kits, the boards meet quarterly, and the, the materials and documents that need to be reviewed in advance may take a couple of days to uh, plow through and understand what the corporation is facing and has done the last quarter since, uh, since the board members met. But the compensation is uh, good. And whether it's 50,000 or 100, or as you mentioned, a higher, could be, you know, for very large companies, 250000 Most of us are not going to get on boards of that size, but uh, let's say 50000 And generally, half of the compensation is uh, paid to you in stock. So that's good. You want to be uh, accountable, if you will, for the growth of the company, the health of the company. And, and when the stock price increases, your in investment, if you will, increases. So that, that's really really where the game. upside is. The upside is on the stock compensation. And there's legal advice on how you move through that process, which I think is important as well. Uh, and and uh, and you're right that uh, the workload involves the committees you're on as well as the board. Uh, the other thing I will say that, you know, Diana mentioned, Carolyn has mentioned flowers. They also read what's going on in the industry. They have to be familiar with the competition and the trades. So they stay up so that when they come to the board meeting, they're very familiar with trends and issues that have been occurring in the industry. So I, I don't want to diminish the amount of work. I think it's a, it's engaging and you feel very fulfilled by it. Let's, uh, but also add that most women, most board members have their day job too. So it's, it's easy. It's not easy. It's manageable. 
That's exactly right. You're listening to the Renee Frazier Show on KBC Talk Radio with a wonderful expert, Betsy Berkemer, CEO of 5050 Women on Boards. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about why we're seeing so much progress and what the future entails for women like yourselves who are considering getting on a board. Welcome back to the Renee Frazier Show. We're talking about why women, and in this case, why aren't there more women on corporate boards, and what does it take to get on a corporate board? We have an expert with us, Betsy Berkemer Credere, CEO of 5050 Women on Boards, and you can go to their website to learn more, 5050wob.com. Before we go back to Betsy, though, I want to talk about another aspect of this issue. I said there aren't enough women, and we talked about the statistics. Betsy shared with us at the beginning, we're at about 27%, 26 27% across the country. But another question that we have to ask is, what about diversity? What about people of color? Well, there the statistics are even more sad to see. Only 13% in that Russell 3000 are people of color. And we know that's women and men. And unfortunately, women represent the smaller proportion of that. We need to see growth in diversity from all perspectives, not just gender balance and women, but of course, people of color. And as I mentioned at the outset, there's a lot of research that shows that diversity actually leads to higher levels of profitability and return on investment, as well as stronger morale and better guidance of those companies. So what are we doing about that? Well, in addition to 50-50 women on boards and the wonderful programs Betsy has talked about, there is another program called Pathways to Corporate Boards. It is sponsored by NABO California Educational Fund. I am a volunteer executive director of that group, Pathways. You can find it at the nabocalifornia.org website. This is a six-month program for women of color. The emphasis is on diversity. It gives you mentoring from an actual board member who's currently active on a board. And we have 10 mentors. They're all people of color who bring tremendous experience and enjoy that one-on-one mentoring for six months. In addition, there's an educational component. You learn what each of the committees does. You hear stories from people like Diana Ingram, Renata Semerl, other people who serve on boards and what it took to get there. So if you're interested and you're a woman of color, please look for Pathways and see if you could qualify for that six-month program. We're actually looking for candidates right now. The program starts later in February. But let me turn it back to Betsy, because I know diversity is a big concern and a goal of 50-50 women on boards, right? Yes, indeed, uh, Renee. And our goal is is obvious gender balance, uh, 50% women on corporate boards. But of all board seats, our goal is also to have 20% of those board seats held by women of color. And we definitely reach out to and market uh, proactively to organizations of women of color in order to bring them into our workshops, which will start in March. And 
you can find those workshops once again at, at our website as well, 5050wob.com. And I'm really pleased to say that the, the progress in California has been so good. Since Betsy, I think you said it was 30%. Yeah. And that we're leading the nation. Tell us why. And I know you were instrumental in this. Please tell us the backstory and where we stand. Well, back in uh, 2013, um, several of us came up with the idea to have a law in California, similar to the laws in Europe, where a number, a specific number of women on every board would be required. And we focused on three women on every corporate board because there's research that shows that when there are three women on a board or three of anything in a group, they actually have a voice. So the, our target was three women on every public company board. And and all of the efforts leading up to uh, that became the law, SB 826, which stands for Senate Bill 826. And the law got passed in uh, 2018 and was enacted January of 19. So there was a, the first uh, year was required, required only one woman on the boards of California companies. By, that, by the way, it's 537 companies here in California on the Russell 3000. And now the, um, now the deadline for three women on every board has just passed. It was uh, December 31. Right. And companies are really responding. As of September 30th, uh, the, the percentage was 30% of uh, board seats held by women in California. But I expect at the end of the fourth quarter, which is the deadline uh, for three women, I expect a much higher well, let's say several points higher uh, uh, number of women on corporate boards. That's and good right, news. Yeah, that is really good news, Betsy. California is leading the way. We are definitely seeing more interest in putting women on boards. We're hearing other women. I mentioned a couple of our colleagues who've been put on boards. And as you mentioned, when you're on one, you get invited to another. Another colleague is uh, Peggy Turner a Latina who's been put on boards, have went through your workshop. I think it's important that companies know there's a large pipeline. Part of the problem is they didn't know where to find these women. And I know you've experienced that. Uh, now they're finding their way. In the beginning, many of the companies in California turned to their law firms and their accounting firms, right? Because that was a safe zone. They found senior women at those companies who might have been retiring who were friendly because they also are connected to those accounting firms, law firms, et cetera. And now it's expanding beyond, as you mentioned. Can you give us an example of a California-based company that's made this change? Well, yes. Uh, one we're really, really pleased to see is uh, Skechers, among many brand name companies. Uh, you know, most, most, uh, most of the product sales are to women or Skechers shoes. So, uh, for years and years, there were no women on that corporate board, and it's um, it's been a, a a challenge for us to convince Skechers to uh, add women. But because of the law. The the uh, many companies have added women. In fact, added seats to their boards if there were not any retirements or um, a resignation from a current board member. Most of the companies in California, eighty seven percent of them, have actually added, expanded their board and added seats to accommodate the women. We're going to take those changes as much as we can. We'll take whatever change. And I know we want to continue, but I want to remind our listeners, you're listening to the Renee Frazier show on KABC Talk Radio. We're talking about how to get on a board and what are the hurdles for women. Go ahead, Betsy, and talk about 
how that can be, how you can ex- make that happen for you personally. And maybe tell us a little bit about how being part of 5050 Women on Boards keeps you updated. Well, the, the key is networking among people you know in order to express your value-added experience that people will remember you as a potential board candidate. So uh, you'll learn how to do that in our, in our workshops and in our big events. We are going to have industry-focused events that are virtual this year, uh, as well as uh, networking events that hopefully, COVID permitting, will be in person. So there are a number of ways where you can network among our alumni, but also the key is to network among your own contacts. So I can sign up to get that email newsletter on 5050womenonboards.com, and you're going to send me that material, right? So I'll Absolutely. know. And you can, you can go to the website now and, and be on the waiting list, sign up for the waiting list uh, for, the, for the workshops, which will start in March. Got it. Starting in March. Now, Betsy, we talked about the statistics over from 14% up to now 27% across the country. California is leading the way. Women need to get prepared for board engagement and build a plan and a pathway. It takes a few years. You do get compensated, but there is work associated with it and how women on boards, 50-50 women on boards has wonderful workshops for how to make yourself more visible, how to succinctly describe what your opportunity is, how to strategically network. What else would you like to share with our audience as they think about their path to a board way, to a board seat? You summarize that very well, and we recommend highly uh, getting onto a nonprofit board early in that pathway, even if you're just in your 30s and you don't really know if you want to serve on corporate boards later on. But uh, there are also other types of boards, uh, for example, commissions, and you can look at the uh, city, county, or state websites in order to see what commissions like Parks and Recreation. One of our good, good friends, uh, Edith Perez, got her start. She was a law firm partner, but she got her start by uh, applying and getting onto the Parks and Recreation Board before the TV show existed. So it wasn't very popular at the time, but she did so well. She was named to other commissions for the city, to the police commission specifically, and uh, she was very, very visible. And she had many offers for corporate boards when she uh, retired from her law firm. Great advice, Betsy. As we wrap up, can you tell me the name of the book again and how people can get that wonderful story, short stories that are easy to read about women who've been successful, the name and the place? Thanks, Renee. It's Winning the Board Game. And the website is the same name, winningtheboardgame.com. Great, Betsy. Thank you so much. This has been an interview about why do women not represent a higher portion of women on boards or board seats across the United States and across California, but we're making amazing progress. I hope you gained some insights and practical tips you can take away. Please know that you can visit the website 5050wob.com to get more specific advice. And you can find our show on FraserCommunications.com. Remember, Fraser Communications, my company, is a full-service integrated advertising and marketing firm that serves private and nonprofit companies, as well as government entities and publicly traded companies like Lexus and Toyota. And we are available for digital and social media, a big part of our firm's work. 
I'm delighted that you've been able to listen to the Renee Frazier Show. My theme is helping women lead and succeed. Women have the capacity to lead and change the world. Our perspective is different. Our socialization has been different. And on this show, we're going to talk about opportunities for growth, ways you can redirect your career, opportunities for making a difference in the world, and how to prosper as a business owner. Thank you for listening. Visit uh, the KABC website for more information about the show. And we'll see you next week. This is the Renee Frazier Show on 790 KABC. Have a wonderful week ahead and stay healthy.